How could human trafficking happen? How is it that traffickers manage to find and exploit so many victims? These are questions that often come up in our work. Human trafficking is rarely a situation of a predator kidnapping a random stranger off the street. Rather, traffickers carefully and intentionally develop a relationship with the victim, whether that's online or in person, prior to actually exploiting them. They shower the potential victim with affection and protection, providing the care, attention, shelter, or resources that they just aren't getting somewhere else. This process is known as grooming. When a trafficker leverages their victim's vulnerabilities to form a tighter bond than forceful kidnapping ever could. When it comes to awareness, this means this is an opportunity to recognize potential exploitation before it ever happens during that grooming process. So how can we recognize those signs? What can we as parents and community members do to protect our children from grooming and exploitation? And that's what we'll cover on today's episode. Hello everyone, my name is Helen Hofer, and I'm the Freedom Drivers Project Director for Truckers Against Trafficking, or TAT, and you're listening to our podcast, Driving Freedom. My co-host today is Lexi Higgins, a Busting on the Lookout Program Specialist. Lexi, thanks so much for hopping on with me today. Thanks for having me, and I'm excited to talk about this topic, and I'm excited to do that with our guest that I'm happy to have here, Danny Papa, who is the president of the New Jersey Coalition Against Human Trafficking and the chair of their education committee and has a a background in education that I think brings a really great lens to this issue. So Danny, thanks for being here with us and it's great to have you. Yeah, Danny, can you talk a little bit more about your background? How did you end up in these roles where you are today? Sure. Thank you so much for having me this afternoon. So I I first learned about human trafficking in 2005, just prior to starting my teaching career. And when I learned about the issue of human trafficking, my heart was so gripped and I wanted to do something about the issue. Couldn't believe that such atrocities and such an injustice was taking place on our earth. Uh, It was something that marked my heart and it just stood with me. And in my third year of teaching, on a Friday afternoon, I was teaching a lesson about the introduction of slavery in the Jamestown colony. And I had my opening question of the lesson, does slavery still exist today? In the middle of the lesson, I made a connection between slavery in America's past and modern slavery, more specifically human trafficking. Did about a 10-minute overview of the issue. And at the end of the class, a student came up to me and she asked me for the website address that I used in the overview lesson. And she came back on that following Monday and she said, Mr. Papa, I spent the entire weekend learning about the issue of human trafficking. And she looked at me and what she said next, I will never forget. She looked at me and said, we have to do something about this. And I smiled and I said, well, what, what, what would you like to do? And she's like, I, I want to get some of my friends together and I, I want to put together an awareness campaign here at the school. So that's what we did. We spent the next few months researching the issue of human trafficking, figuring out ways we can raise awareness in our, in our middle school. They went into the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade social studies classrooms, taught a real interactive lesson on human trafficking. The students came back and said, Mr. Papa, this was so amazing. We can't stop here. Let's do more. And again, my question was, what what more would you like to do? So I I really became the facilitator of their dreams. Their goal was to raise awareness among their generation and among schools throughout the state of New Jersey about the issue of human trafficking. The students ended up making presentations at all different government functions and other high schools, middle schools, colleges faith-based organizations. And it, it, was a real, uh, it was a real amazing experience. And then from there is where I met the, the founding members of the New Jersey Coalition Against Human Trafficking and got to know them there and just started serving and volunteering. And in 2016, became a member of the Board of Trustees. 
it's been a real amazing journey. Um, when I first learned about human trafficking in 2005, I never thought that, you know, what marked my heart then would have brought me to where I am now. What an amazing story. Like, I love that <laughs> and hearing just that this all really instigated by the students themselves and the work that they're doing. Absolutely. Lexi, I actually don't know that I know your story. How did you first get into human trafficking, anti-trafficking? Oh, I mean, I did in my work in my previous job with the Junior League. And actually, one of the first kind of influencers that taught me about the issue was the executive director of the New Jersey Coalition of Human Trafficking, who was kind of starting to raise awareness, the fact that this is something that's happening here in the United States, happening in our communities. So I worked really closely with Kate, the, the executive director of the New Jersey Coalition of Human Trafficking, and it definitely resonated with me just in terms of something that, that is happening in front of us every day, you know, that we could be coming across victims in our everyday lives. And in that same way that Danny was talking about, like, how could we not do something about it? I love hearing stories about young people who are trying to make a difference. And I also love thinking about how we as adults and educators and parents can support those youth and also work to protect them and build those environments that are going to create safe spaces for them. That's why we wanted to talk about grooming. Danny, you and I have had conversations about understanding grooming is really where that comes into play because recognizing the grooming process is where we're going to be able to prevent exploitation before it happens and leverage awareness to do that prevention work as well. So I would love it, Danny, if you could just talk a little bit about grooming, what that is, and maybe what it looks like, some you know information that you have in terms of what that process is. Sure. At the New Jersey Coalition Against Human Trafficking, we work very, very closely with Lieutenant John Pizarro. He all heads up the state police, the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. He's been a, a real close friend as well as an advisor as we designed our Locker Slam program, which was a way to really bring the issue of online grooming to students around the state of New Jersey. So last week, I had the opportunity to speak with few groups of juniors and seniors from a, a high school here in New Jersey. And, and this is simply how I broke it down for them. What we have found is that one of the tactics that a predator or trafficker will use is to obviously create fake social media accounts and profiles. And it could be a 50-year-old man and he's posing as a 14-year-old girl or a 16-year-old boy, all for the, the reason of, of making connections with other young people. And what they're doing is they're looking for the young person who's vulnerable. And what they'll do is they'll start liking photos or they'll start leaving a comment all for the reason of, you know, to start direct messaging and DMing. And through the direct messaging is where the conversations will begin. And, and one of the tactics that is so important for young people to understand and know is that when a groomer or when, when they're being groomed, the predator or trafficker is going to repeat a lot of the language that the young person is using in the conversation, right? So they may be approached, hey, what's going on today? Nothing, I'm home uh, learning virtually and all I want to do is play video games. And then in response, the predator trafficker will say, no way, I'm home too and, and I'm playing video games right now. And they're just going to continue to mirror the language and repeat the language, all with the purpose and the intention of getting that young person to really believe this person that I just started talking to really understands me. They really get me and how I'm feeling right now. And, and they get it. These predators and traffickers, they're looking for those vulnerabilities. They're looking for those areas of need within 
the conversation and then they're going to exploit it and they're going to make that young person really believe that they can give them what they need at that time, right? Oh, you're feeling lonely? They'll have all signs of friendship, right? So we know that through the mirroring language and so on that happens in direct messaging, that happens for, you know, for some time, but ultimately what we have learned is that the end goal of every trafficker and predator it's about arranging an in-person meeting because when the in-person meeting happens, that is where this highly trained predator or trafficker will use force, fraud, or coercion for the means of exploitation. And the problem right now that we're all facing this past year with COVID-19 and this global pandemic is that students have been stripped from their safety net, right? They've been relegated for the most part to their homes. They do not have daily interactions with their friends or their coaches or their teachers or you know those adults where they feel safe and comfortable with. And some young people are living in some um, extremely challenging situations, and there's really no way out. You know, students have really lost that that safety net. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so interesting to hear you talk about some of these examples, right? And and particularly bringing in the COVID nineteen piece because anyone can be groomed, right? An adult can also be groomed in similar ways. Grooming is a part of the trafficking process for anyone of any age. Who is more vulnerable and more kind of insecure than? a young person, right, that can be exploited. So, you know, I I know there's a lot of parents, a lot of teachers that would say, oh, well, that kid would never get themselves in that kind of a situation. You know, you're talking about having conversations with youth in terms of them, you know, engaging with strangers online. Is every kid out there doing that, especially now that they're home learning online, they're online a lot more? Can you just talk a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of kids engaging with strangers online and where that's happening and how often it's happening? In all the years that I have spoken to young people in different assemblies or classrooms, I always ask the same question. The question always is, how many of you have engaged in an online conversation with someone that you do not know for sure who they really are behind that profile and behind that picture? I want you to answer this to yourselves. There's a really brilliant book that my wife and I have read. It's called Eyes Are Never Quiet. And whenever I ask students that question, their eyes are extremely revealing. And I will say that it's probably 99% of that room, they're looking at me like, oh, yeah, that, I, that has happened or I have done that. And then I always follow it up by saying, I can almost assure you that a large percentage of those people that you are talking to are not who they say they are. If there's one thing I can leave with you today is do not engage in online conversations with someone that you do not know. And if you do, do not give any information. Do not tell them where you are, what high school you go to. Do not tell them you know, where your baseball team is heading to next weekend. Do not give out information about yourself in any way, shape, or form, because all of that information can then be used as someone begins the grooming process. When you said that, just that most of the room is like making those eyes of like, I know exactly what this is, whether I have done it or my friends have done it or we've talked about it. And what's interesting here also, as we're talking about human trafficking, right, at TAT, we talk a lot about What are those red flags so you know you're looking at trafficking? But we are now talking about grooming, and there's this other set of red flags. And so I really want to outline it for our listeners. Can you, Danny, walk through, okay, if I am a person who is overhearing students talking, hearing my kids share a story, what are some of those things that I can be thinking of to recognize the grooming process at hand? Earlier this year, we we spoke uh, somewhat about, you know, uh, bus drivers and, and the crucial role that they play, for example. And, you know, they're all ears to multiple conversations that happen 
all morning long and all afternoon long between young people. And, you know, there, there's a number of different things that young people could be talking about. If someone comments, you know, this person won't leave me alone. They keep messaging me and they keep, they, you know, they, they, they want me to, um, you know, meet up with them at this place or, you know, or maybe even identifying students who look a particular way that look exhausted or look, you know, as if maybe they were up all night long the night before. And why is that, right? And, and then it's the aspect of, of boyfriending where you may have a young girl who's talking about, I don't need to come home on the bus today because someone's going to pick me up after school or so-and-so is going to take me for a ride in his car. So for example, in New Jersey, you know, the majority of kids who are driving are, are 18 at this point. What, you know, why is a minor driving with someone who's not a minor? A young person who starts having all of these gifts, like who's giving them these gifts and who's giving them these fancy clothes or the, you know, these really expensive, you know, watches or shoes or jewelry, right? Where's all of that coming from? Yeah, I think there's a number of different things that educators as well as um, school personnel, everyone who works in a school, you know, should have their ears open for. We use the, the term red flags, but if it doesn't feel right, it's probably not. If you're seeing something that, that makes you feel off, maybe you should be paying attention to some of those. Why are you feeling off? And, and is this something that you you know should be maybe calling the National Human Trafficking Hotline about, right? Could this be trafficking? Is, is that why it doesn't feel right to you as an adult? And I know you mentioned our work with school bus drivers that I think ties in so nicely here because the school bus drivers, you know, Danny, you've said so beautifully before, they could be spending the most time out of the day. They could be the adult that's spending the most time out of the day with that kid, right? If they're doing a drive to school and a drive home from school and getting them equipped as, as one part of that school environment that can be the safe space for children. So I would love to maybe hear more from you, Danny, about the role that school transportation can play, why they're important, um, and, and you know some of your recommendations around that. I agree, right? If you think about it, the bus driver every day right, is, is sitting on a bus and they're driving students to and from school and they're in front of their cell phones. I mean, we know that for a fact, but yet they're with their friends, so they're more comfortable and they probably have far more open conversations on a bus than they will in a classroom. That's when students are talking about who just texted them or what they're doing this weekend or where they're going when they get home. You know, the more that you're raising awareness among bus drivers to be able to identify some of the risk factors and warning signs, their ears are open, right? They're hearing those conversations in the dialogue, whereas that may not be happening um, necessarily with, with teachers in the building. So if a student is on you know, a 45-minute ride to school and a 45-minute ride home from school on the bus, it's an hour and a half they're spending with that bus driver five days a week. That's far more time than they're spending with any single teacher. I think you know, school transportation plays such a unique role in the life of a student. But I also think it is that it's somewhat overlooked when it comes to the interactions between you know, a, a bus driver and a young person. They're greeting the students in the morning. They're, they're the first person from the school, and they're the last person that the students will see. And that smile in the morning and that word of encouragement goes a really long way, especially when students are faced with so many incredible challenges. And it strikes me that, right, the, the bus driver is setting the tone. They are the first person like in this school environment that they are connecting with in a day. And I'm just reminded, actually, even as we're talking about, okay, all these interactions that you could be overhearing about students connecting with potential adults online, but also recognizing that even in our own, in Tat's own training video, she was groomed by another student who was already being manipulated by the trafficker. That 
there could be other people in the school, other students in particular, who are already being used by a trafficker, who are then sent into the school to kind of as this like, oh, how can I identify who maybe doesn't have very active or attentive like caregivers, or who maybe is missing some of these other resources, right, as we mentioned some of the vulnerabilities before that a trafficker could then exploit. And so paying attention to, okay, what are these interactions between students who might already have been trapped and tricked and manipulated by a trafficker to then try and talk to other students and acknowledging that complicated place of they're trying to navigate their own safety while then then being forced to exploit another person. So I wanted to, to make sure to bring that up as something to be aware of. Doesn't mean right that every student is doing this and you need to be afraid of every other student in the school, but it is something to be aware of and keep in mind. So July of 2019, Governor Phil Murphy here in the state of New Jersey signed a bill into law that requires the Department of Education to provide trafficking resources to schools throughout the state of New Jersey. It's a comprehensive list of how to identify, how to prevent. And uh, the point I wanted to make was that the assemblywoman who introduced the original bill in the New Jersey State Assembly, she introduced the bill because she learned that there were freshman students being trafficked inside the bathroom of one of the high schools and districts she represents. And when she learned about that, she was so shocked and appalled and said, we have to do something about this. Schools need to um, learn how to identify and prevent all forms of trafficking, even trafficking that may be happening inside of their school building. And you know that, that just really goes to validate the point that you were making, that trafficking isn't something that happens just outside of school. It, it does, in fact, within the, the walls of a school building. And that's all the more reason why school administration as well as school security and all school personnel needs to be able to identify it in all forms. Yeah, you're so spot on. Of course, I'm always coming at this from the lens of school bus drivers, right? And so I love the fact that you raised that so often they're forgotten when we're talking about the school environment because they're not necessarily always on the school grounds. So there's a lot of schools that do anti-trafficking training for school personnel and sometimes forget about school bus drivers as that potential additional force that trained can can be doing this work and, and protecting kids. We did recently as another resource for kind of any adult that wants to advocate on this issue for kids in their community created recently an outreach kit that can help any individual reach out to their school and introduce the bottle school transportation program and and suggest that their school bus drivers get trained and you know make that school aware of the free resources that we have available as part of creating those safe communities and safe schools for our children. Absolutely. Um, and um, it's a real honor and privilege to be on this podcast and speaking with you. So thank you again for this great opportunity. I am thrilled that you are in a place to impact so many kids' lives in New Jersey and through this podcast. Remember, if you hear students talking about someone just won't leave them alone, someone really wants them to send them pictures, or if they're kind of feeling skittish about talking about what they're doing online, or if they're receiving gifts that seem expensive and beyond their what they would normally be purchasing for themselves, if they have an older boyfriend or girlfriend, if they are going out and talking about different sudden career choice differences or opportunities that they're excited about, just ask those extra questions. Listen in, hear from them. Everyone wants to know that someone's caring about them. And this is an opportunity for you to see that and stop trafficking before it ever happens. And so if you do see some of those signs, make sure to alert 
the authorities within the school system and have a conversation with that student, potentially asking them, okay, how do you know this person? And how do we know they are who they say they are? Getting the student to really advocate for themselves and think through who they are talking to online and in person as things start to open up again. And of course, make sure to check out our school outreach kit. This is something that everyone in every community can do. It's a resource fully packaged for you to be able to reach out to your school district, districts where other family members live, and let them know about the free busing on the lookout training that we want to provide them. We all have a school in our community, and that is one easy way for you to connect and spread our message and make a difference. So whether you live in the community, whether you drive a bus or a truck, when you take that second look, when you listen, when you really hear someone's story, you can change their life because you truly are driving freedom.